Well, good morning, good afternoon, good evening, whatever time you might happen to be uh, tuning into this. It's great to be with you in this way. My name is James. I'm part of the team at Grace City, and it's my huge privilege to be wrapping up our series, looking at the I am statements of Jesus. But just before we jump into that, I just want to say a huge congratulations to our friends from the Beaches congregation, Carmen and Davin De Bruin, who welcomed into the world this week their second son, Aaron Gabriel. If you're interested in the dimension details and that kind of stuff, check out their socials for that information. But can I ask you, hey church family, can we pray for them? Pray for Carmen and Davin as parents. Pray for Caleb as he adjusts to being a big brother. Pray for Aaron as he learns to sleep and feed. And pray that as a family, they would enjoy these uh, early moments together as a family of four. We're so excited for you guys. Congratulations. And while you're praying, can I also ask you to pray for us as a church family as we work out how to uh, re-engage and meet in person in some way in the coming weeks and months. We're really excited about the prospect of doing that. We cannot wait, but we also want to do that really safely and really well. And so it feels like we need the wisdom of heaven. So if you can be praying for that, that would be great too. Now I'll explain to you in a moment why I am in the garden of our apartment complex uh, right now. But today we are carrying on our preach series and in fact wrapping up our preach series as we look at the final I am statement of Jesus. And the statement that we're going to be looking at is particularly significant and particularly profound. And I actually think that Jesus hasn't left the best for last because actually all of the I am statements have been really uh, significant and very instructive for us. And I hope, like me, you feel like you've been really well served by the different women and men who have preached over the previous weeks. I feel like every one of them has communicated so excellently. I've grown in my love for Jesus. I've deepened relationship with him more through uh, those preachers. So I hope you feel the same way. But I would say that today's I Am Statement is something of a favorite of mine because I feel like it kind of captures the heart of the whole gospel when Jesus says, I am the vine. Now, when Jesus says this, these are the final few moments of his ministry, the final few moments he has on the earth. And he's just had his last supper, the final Passover meal he's going to share with his disciples. And they're en route together to the Garden of Gethsemane, where Jesus is ultimately going to be betrayed and led to his death on a cross. And somewhere in that journey, perhaps when they're traveling through the temple courts and they look up and they see the great golden vine glistening in the Passover moon, Jesus says to them, I am the true vine. Now I'm here in the gardens of our apartment complex because I want to show you something. Come with me as I show you this to you. <clears throat> now I planted these jasmine plants along here a couple of years ago. They're slowly making their way up the wall. They're doing okay. This is common property, but no one's complained about it so far. But there's one of these branches that looks very different to the rest. Come have a look at this one. You can see this one looks totally different, right? Why? Why does it look different? Because it's dead. And it's dead for a very simple reason, actually. Look at this. You don't need to be a great horticulturalist to know why. It's been separated. These branches have been separated from the life-giving nutrients of the vine. And Jesus says to his disciples, I am the vine and you are the branches. Remain in me and you will bear much fruit. But apart from me, 
you can do nothing. Now, the disciples, disciples don't know that their three-year apprenticeship is coming to an end right now. But in these moments, Jesus is sharing some of his most precious, some of his deepest, some of the most important and sincere words that he ever shares with anyone. And I know that when we gather on Sundays, and perhaps the reason that you've tuned in here today is to hear somebody expound the scriptures to you. But I can, can I encourage you, when you hear these verses read right now by Kate Miller from our Chatswood congregation, can I encourage you to pause and consider and let them... These verses, these words of Jesus, be the highlight of your time. Perhaps you can picture Jesus speaking these words directly to you. Perhaps you can picture that branch that has been separated from the vine. And perhaps you can ask God, hey, would you highlight something fresh for me today? Even if this passage has been something I've heard a number of times before, what is it that you want to speak to me about today? John 15, 1-17 I am the true vine, and my Father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit he prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. You are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Remain in me as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself, it must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If you do not remain in me, you are like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire and burned. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit showing yourselves to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Now remain in my love. If you keep my commands, you will remain in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commands and remain in his love. I have told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. My command is this, love each other as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, to lay down one's life for one's friends. You are my friends if you do what I command. I no longer call you servants because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I have called you friends for everything I have learned from my father I have made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you so that you might go and bear fruit, fruit that will last. And so that whatever you ask in my name, the father will give you. This is my command, love each other. Well, in 2 Corinthians 4, Paul says, we do not preach ourselves. But that is a rule that doesn't apply to Jesus. Actually, he preaches about himself all the time, as we've seen in this whole series, looking at his I am statements. And I wonder what was it that stuck out to you when you just heard these verses read by Kate Miller? I wonder what it was that you felt God highlight to you. Maybe it's something that you were reminded of that you've forgotten from the past, or perhaps it was something that you discovered for the very first time hearing these verses afresh. Whatever it was, we're not going to be able to even really go close to unpacking all of these verses here today, but I do want to share with you three things that I feel really stuck out to me. Then we're going to be hearing from a few different people who are going to help us to apply this text here today. So look forward to that. That's going to be great. So the first thing is, is that Jesus says, I am the true vine, and my Father is the gardener. 
Now remember here uh, that it's different from the other I am statements when Jesus was speaking to a crowd of people, all sorts of different people from different backgrounds, different belief systems. Actually, when Jesus is speaking here, he's speaking to his followers, to his 12 nearest and dearest friends. Now, if he had have been speaking to the crowd of people, he might have been implying something similar to when he said, I'm the bread of life, or he said, I am the gate. He might have been implying, look, there's going to be lots of different alternatives in this world, lots of different worldviews and religions that you can align yourself to. Uh, but in a world full of counterfeits and over-promising and under-delivering, that actually I'm the true, genuine, real article. And if he was speaking to a crowd of people, that might have been what he was implying, because Lots of people in the world would kind of view world religions as like roughly all the same, that Christianity may be slightly better or worse than the others, but they're all basically the same thing. But that's not what Jesus is saying here. Because Jesus is not speaking to the crowd. He's speaking to his 12, to his 12 nearest and dearest friends and followers. So if you're listening to this today and you are a Christian, like these verses are for you. Jesus is speaking them to you. And if you've tuned into this and you're not sure if you're a Christian or you're sure you're not a Christian, stay tuned in because I do believe there is an invitation here for you as well. So the first thing is that Jesus says, I am the true vine. Now I think Jesus is saying kind of two things are for us here. You know, firstly, uh, all throughout the Old Testament, that's the first uh, two-thirds of the um, of the Bible before Jesus came on this earth. All throughout the Old Testament, the uh, Israelites, the people of God, the Jewish nation, were described as being a vine. Now, if Jesus had have just said, I'm a vine, that would have been quite confusing for these uh, Jewish nationals who were listening to him, his disciples, because they would have thought, oh, hang on, I thought we were the vine. Now, Jesus is saying he's the vine. That's confusing for us. But he doesn't just say I'm the vine. He says, I am the true vine. I'm the true vine. I'm the genuine article. I'm the one who has produced the kind of fruit that the father, that the gardener was looking for. That actually where uh, the Jewish nation, the Israelite people have failed to achieve, actually I have accomplished. When they weren't able to succeed, I have succeeded. I've produced the kind of fruit that the gardener, the father was looking for. I think the other thing that he is saying also in speaking to his followers is he's saying, hey, you might think that uh, you can be fruitful apart from me. You might think if you like hitch your wagon to a certain ministry or a, a certain ritual or uh, to a certain strategic plan that you can be fruitful, that as long as you connect to something, you can live a fruitful life. But Jesus is saying, no, 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 like that's not the case at all. Because Jesus knows, like, we all want to live a fruitful life, don't we? And that begs the question, what does a fruitful life look like? We're going to look at that in just a moment's time. So Jesus says, I'm the true vine. I'm the true vine. I am the place where you will find your nourishment, your fulfillment, your provision, your strengthening, your sustenance. I'm the place where you'll find your purpose and ultimately fruitfulness in your life as well. I'm the true vine. The second thing then that sticks out to me is that he gives these two guarantees. He says, remain in me as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. And Jesus makes it really clear here that unless uh, we stay connected to him, we're not going to bear any fruit. 
unless we stay connected to him and let his life flow through us, we're not going to live a fruitful life. It's just going to be like we're laboring in vain. And we can try to do all these different things. We can go to these different places. We can attend these different conferences. We can read these different books. We can listen to these different people. But Jesus is saying, hey, I'll, I promise you, unless you're remaining in me, you're not going to bear any fruit that's going to last. And so like everything hangs on that. But then actually in the very next verse, he says this. He says, I am the vine, you're the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. So here's this other guarantee. If we do remain in him, we will bear much fruit and fruit that's going to last. And, and I struggle with this sometimes because I look all over the place and I see like, oh, she's achieving more and, and he seems to be more fruitful than I am. And maybe I'm doing something wrong. And, and, I, and we get tempted to think, oh, we've got to strategize and do stuff differently. And maybe I need to align myself with, but, but, but we just got to go, wait, wait, wait. God, you said... If I remain in you, if you remain in me, then I will bear fruit and fruit that will last. So firstly, the thing that sticks out to me is that Jesus says I'm the true vine. Second thing that sticks out to me is that there are these two guarantees. Apart from him, we can't do anything. But if we remain in him, we will bear fruit and fruit that will last. And so again, like that naturally begs the question, what is this fruit? And that's, this is the third thing that sticks out to me when we're talking about fruitfulness. Now, the two main kind of interpretations for what this fruit might be are either it has to do with like a righteous living, demonstrating the fruit of the spirit that we read about in Galatians 5, you know, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, all those fruits of the spirit. The second main interpretation is that it has to do with the results of preaching the gospel. You know, people come in to know Jesus. But to limit it to one or the other, or even to both of these, is to kind of narrow the meaning too much. Because actually, when Jesus is talking about living a fruitful life, he's talking about the entirety of the life and ministry of those who follow Jesus and who uh, walk in the Spirit. He's talking about the kind of choices we make. He's talking about the way that we spend our time. He's talking about the passions we pursue. He's talking about the transformation of the heart. He's talking about the way that we live lives of worship. He's talking about all these different things. But whenever we think about a fruitful life, I think there is a tendency to err one way or the other. Here's what I mean by that. I think sometimes we have a tendency to either overemphasize living a fruitful life and underemphasize the remaining in him element. And I think the way that this characterizes itself or plays itself out is that we end up being stressed, we end up striving, we end up being burdened by the constant pain of comparison. We live anxious lives. Sometimes like that's where I find myself. I think the other way that we can sometimes err is that we can overemphasize the remaining in him part and be kind of ambivalent to the bearing fruit component. I think the way that this characterizes itself is that we become kind of insulated, isolated. We become pretty self-centered, insular. We become disconnected and irrelevant to the world around us. And Jesus calls us to remain in him and to bear fruit. But notice he says, bear fruit, not produce fruit. That might seem like semantics, it's subtle, 
but it is a significant difference. It's significant. We are called to bear fruit, not to produce it. Because one of those things is about my work, and one of them is about God's work. If, I, if it was about me producing fruit, it would mean that I was working hard to accomplish it. But I, I bear the name Ryburn. That's my last name. I bear the name Ryburn. But I didn't do anything to achieve that, to accomplish that. That just comes with the territory of being part of the family. We're called to bear fruit, not to produce it. And so like kingdom outcomes are really important. You know, living a righteous life and, and seeing the fruit of salvation of preaching the good news. Like that, those things are really important, but they're not controllable. We're called to bear fruit, not to produce it. So like I desperately want to live a fruitful life. Maybe you do too. Like I desperately want that. But that desire becomes unhealthy and that fruit becomes an idol. When I want those things more than I want Jesus. I want to be like Paul who said the one thing I'm striving after, like the finish line for me is to know and to love Jesus more. Or King David, when he said, God, the one thing I ask, the one thing is to dwell in your house all the days of my life, to gaze upon your beauty. God, you're the one thing I want. You're the one thing. And so as we come out of this kind of COVID season, I feel like there is a real call on us as individuals and also corporately to really remain in him to stay connected to him, close to him, walking with him, to let his life and his love flow through us, to walk by the Spirit. And to that end, I've asked a few friends, some exceptional people, to share with you what remaining in Jesus looks like for them. Let's look forward to hearing from them now. Hi all, welcome to my office where daily operations occur. Uh, so the question is, what does it look like for me to remain in Him? Um, in this season of life, it looks a little different to how it has before. But fundamentally, at the end of the day, for me to remain in Him means that I'm drawing closer to God in His Word. Um, it's how He's revealed Himself. It's how I learn more about Him to a large degree and in prayer. So what I've done practically is... Um, I don't often have time um, or the energy, the mental capacity to read in long stretches and to reflect. So what I've done, one of the things I've done is to write down verses or little passages on pieces of paper and stuck them on my mirror. Um, it's an ever-increasing wall of Bible verses at the moment, which is actually really cool. And the days where I don't get to fit the time I need with God in... I found that even stopping for a moment and reading one or two verses and praying and asking God to help it seep in and to transform me, that he gives me feasts, feasts out of those morsels. So I've really known his grace and the truth that he is the bread of life in that. Also, Hugh and I have worked out that we are able to give each other half an hour each in the mornings in order to start our day happy in God, we absolutely need him. And um, he's really met us in those places. So I do some Bible reading. And for me, the way it ingrains itself is for me to reflect and journal. 
again it doesn't look like as it has done previously it's just brief points um, only few words sometimes but it really helps ingrain what God's saying and it's really helped me to see him in a bigger way than I have previously so that's just some of the practical ways and um, Florence is calling thank you hi everyone remaining in him it's about treasuring and cherishing that glow of fellowship that I feel when I'm communing with him I am a morning person and the first thing I do in the morning is get up and go for a long walk around Narrabeen Lake. I spend this time enjoying the natural surroundings and praying. Often abiding in him in this way means that I have to encourage myself and make a determined effort to seek him. Sometimes that means I have to wrench my thoughts from other distractions, um, sometimes pleasant or unpleasant and focus my attention on seeking his face. Abiding is also about being conscious of him when things don't make sense and I'm hurting badly. Uh, praying for a good outcome in someone's life and not seeing it happen. This is when abiding in him means reminding myself that he is all good and infinitely good, all wise and infinitely wise, all loving and infinitely loving, and all just and infinitely just. And I reckon that it is this last one that tests my abiding in and relying on his justice and righteous judgments and not my sense of justice and consequent judgments. This understanding gives me peace and his peace is the fruit of abiding in and remaining in him. So for me, remaining in the vine uh, means three main things. I feel it's um, being fed, uh, it's being rooted and secure, and it's bearing fruit. So the first one, being fed, I, I feel like remaining in the vine is being fed by God each and every day. It's, it's that Bible time or prayer time with Him that noticeably improves my mood and makes everything else fall into place and feel better. Um, Ask Lauren, I'm noticeably happier when I have that time with God and more joyful and noticeably moodier and grumpier when I don't. Um, the second thing for me is that being rooted or secure in the vine, in the plant, the tree or whatever. Um, so it's, it means having peace, having security, even in crazy times like during COVID or other things that are happening it's it's having peace knowing that no matter what happens God is for us and that he works all things for our good um, and ultimately even if we were to die it's um, it's going to heaven and spending eternity with him uh, the third thing is bearing fruit so for me that's you know growing in in holiness being more like Jesus I know God has dealt with um, sin in my life has grown me in in kindness and love um yeah so bearing fruit in that way but also remaining in the vine having that regular time with him also is is gives you more opportunities to naturally speak to co-workers and non-christians about about your faith and about jesus and so those that's it for me the um being fed um being secure and rooted and bearing fruit jesus said i'm the vine 
and you are the branches. Apart from me, you can do nothing. But if you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit and fruit that will last. Now, these are some of the last words, some of the final moments that Jesus is going to have on this earth in his life and in his ministry. They're some of the most precious, most important things that he says in his whole time here. And notice, like, they're not about correct theology or like accurate doctrine. What they real, really boil down to is to loving him. And that's why I feel like these verses, in a sense, are like the very heart of the whole gospel. That actually Jesus welcomes us into this relationship of love with him. He causes us to bear fruit that changes us from the inside. So it's not about producing the fruits of salvation or even of a righteous life. It's not about that at all. It's about remaining in him. It's about staying close to him, connected to him, walking in the spirit and letting his life flow through us. And, and maybe that's something that you find easy. Maybe it's something you find a little bit challenging. Well, I hope, uh, whatever the case may be for you, that some of what the three people just shared might be helpful for you. Because as we come out of this COVID time and as we get back to normal or look forward to the new normal, however you might be viewing it, as our diaries begin to fill up, as obligations return into our lives, we have this time right now, this moment to be able to consider what are my rhythms, my habits look like? What are the patterns of my life and how can they best help me to remain in Him? There's no better time to be connected to God to let his life and his love flow through us. So grace and strength to you guys. Can't wait till we can be back together again in some way. But until then, love you heaps. Bye for now.